0: Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. I'm the Director of Community Engagement here at King of Glory. It's so good to be with you all this morning, and we welcome those worshiping and Bible studying with us online. Um, we are... Trying this uh, format that we started in Lent, which is uh, some worship time and then a Bible study or like a study of the word and then wrapping up with worship after that. And so we get our favorite Advent hymns, if you have a favorite Advent hymn. It's not a huge uh it's not a huge catalogue of Advent hymns, so we'll probably hit one that you like, right, Ms Krista at some point uh in Advent and we still get the study of the word if if you were with us on Sunday, our theme was rising light, and so we're we're embarking on Advent much like we did with the story, which is we'll introduce the theme on Sunday and then we'll study it on Wednesday, then we'll introduce the theme on Sunday and then study it on Wednesday, so on and so forth, but it's Three weeks, the story is 52 weeks, so we're prepping you, though, uh, for this coming year for another uh, series of how we do that, Sundays and Wednesdays. Uh, If you don't have one of these worship folders, uh, there's some more up here. You can come on up, or I can bring one back to you. Everything is projected. However, um, sometimes it's nice just to be able to read along. It also has our service schedule on the back for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and then the Sunday after Christmas. Um, so that you can be fully aware of what's happening. And with that, that is as much as I have for the welcome. So I'd invite you to stand and turn to each other and say, hello, let's welcome one one another this morning.
1: every hill and valley a level It comes from heaven above. His rule is peace and freedom and justice, truth and love. So let your praise be sounding for kindness so abounding. Hosanna to
0: Gather together in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We come from a world of darkness into Christ's world of light. We come from a world of weariness into God's strength and hope. We come from a slumbering world, strengthened by the Spirit. We come to awaken our souls and watch and be ready for the coming of Christ. And as we watch and get ready for the coming of Christ, we are acutely aware that we do live in a world of darkness, and we contribute to that darkness at times with the things that we have done wrong against our Lord and against one another. And so we take a moment to confess our sins, the beginning of our worship time, and lay those before the Lord's feet. When the Lord comes, he will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Therefore, in the light of Christ, let us confess our sins, first in a time of silent prayer and reflection. God of light, we have seen the glimmer of your light beckoning to us, but we have turned away and followed other paths. We confess that we have not loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind, and with all our strength, we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Forgive us. O Holy one. Strengthen our faltering steps and guide us in your holy way of peace. Amen. Hear the good news of the psalmist's proclamation. If I say surely darkness will overwhelm me and the lights around me will be night," even the darkness is not dark to God and the night is as bright as the day. The God who promised never to leave us or forsake us has come to us in Jesus Christ, who binds up the brokenhearted, heals all our infirmities, and relieves our burden of sin. So arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you, Your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, guide us as we study your word during this Advent season, so that we might grow stronger in faith and in our witness to our Lord and Savior. Fill our hearts with joy as we look forward to our celebration of Jesus' birth. Throughout this busy season— Help us to keep our hearts and minds turned to the gift of your Son. Hear our prayer in His name. Amen. You may be seated as we embark upon the study of our Word today. All right. Like I said uh, at the beginning, we are following our theme from Sunday, which was rising light. And so on Wednesday, we'll be studying rising light. This Sunday, it'll be reflected light. And then next Wednesday, it'll be reflected light. So that we get it two times, once in worship on Sunday mornings, and so some of these uh, scripture verses and, and passages will be familiar because we've read we read some of these last Sunday. Um, it's always good, especially at Advent and in times of um, preparation. So Advent, Lent, where we're getting ready to celebrate something big—Jesus uh, coming, Jesus death, His resurrection—that we take time to really. Um, sit in the word i want to use the word marinate uh (laughs) but hopefully we don't get pickled or anything right uh we we want to marinate let the word of god marinate in us marinate in our hearts and then be able to um slow down so that we can appreciate really what's happening in this season Uh, most of you i think in this room have probably celebrated christmas for many years uh, maybe Advent is uh, something new to you. Maybe this is something that you've done every year. And as 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 I'm sure you all don't want, uh, King of Glory doesn't want to look at this with a, a staleness, right? Or something that is just rote. We want to try to look at this anew each year. And so, with rising lights, with our theme this uh, this week, we are talking about Christmas being a season of lights, um, Advent being the waiting for the coming lights. And so, what I'd first like you to do is, in your tables, um, is to talk about how you use light at Advent or Christmas, in preparation in your homes, maybe, uh, maybe in your decorations. Share at your tables how you might use light, or maybe you used to use light if when you were growing up. Uh, but how do you use light to prepare for the coming season of Christmas? Think about two minutes. talk in your tables please okay can we have maybe one or two people share how you use light in this season and larry will come to you so that the people online can hear what you do as well who would like to share who will share maybe you don't want to but but who will okay erica over here oh Putting candles in the window. All right. Does anybody else do candles in the window? All right. Great. Right. Anyone else? All right. Cindy over here.
2: Lights on your Christmas tree and lights outside. Yeah.
3: Lights
4: on
0: the Christmas tree, lights. And Jan? Yeah. And lights every week. Yes. Yeah. There still is a light. Yes. Great. Anyone else? How many? Yeah. Claire? Up here. Sorry. No, I think you're going to say, but. <laughs> Not a And if you don't, I will. I will. I will give you the next question.
4: With our own kids, neither of us did it when we were, were children ourselves, but we adopted the idea, adapted really advently. And there's that anticipation. We sing one verse of the song. That watch from two, and then so there's this building,
3: mm-hmm. um,
4: and then we use it on. That's the first thing we do on Christmas.
0: Right. Yeah, the building of the light—that is exactly what I thought you were going to. <laughs> I had heard you guys talking about the Advent wreath. So, right there's this anticipation of the light in the darkness, and our world is not just dark, darker at this time of year, you know, because it's it's now that terrible time before December twenty-first, and we start gaining light again, um, or what I consider a terrible time of darkness. Um, but it's also a world of darkness of sin of guilt of shame of worry, uh, right, of, of grief. And so we have this opportunity to shine that light, either for us to reflect that light to others or also to have those markers to remind us that it's not always going to be this dark, right? And we wait for Jesus to come to bring that eternal light, Um, I have to confess, I did not have time to make up my little boards today. So before we continue, I know you're very sad. Um, but before we continue with our study, I just want to kind of parcel out the different readings so we can go a little faster when we get to them. And I'd like to assign them to tables and then you can decide whoever's going to read, uh, at your table. But this table over here, I need someone to be prepared with Genesis one, one through five and John one, one through five. At this table up here, I need someone to do Isaiah 60, 1 through 6, and Luke 1, 68 through 79. That table over there, I need someone to do 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11, and Isaiah 59, 17. This table in the middle here, I need someone to do Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Back there, I'm going to need someone to do Isaiah 52, 7. And at the quicks table, I need uh, Romans 10, 15, Romans 10, 15, okay? So when we get to that, we'll be able to, Larry can bounce from table to table. So Jan kind of touched on this, on um, reflecting that light, and, and even in our darkness and our sadness and our depression, that we would know that there is still a light that is there. And this week's candle, who remembers which, what's the name of our candle this week? Hope, right. So because of the light of Jesus Christ, we have hope. And so the two things that we're going to be talking today, most specifically about, will be light and hope. And to start us off, we're going to start off on a short word study video on the word hope. Uh, this is from the Bible Project. It's a shorter than the one I showed you the last time. But I thought it would be helpful for us to orient our, our, ourselves
5: So let's say you want to describe the feeling of anticipating a future that's better than the present. You might be giddy or excited or maybe unsure, but most of us know that experience. We call it hope. It's a state of anticipation, and it's crucial for healthy human existence. And it's a really important concept in the Bible. In fact, there are many words for hope in the ancient languages of the Bible, and they're all fascinating. In the Old Testament, there are two main Hebrew words translated as hope. The first is yachal, which means simply to wait for. Like in the story of Noah and the ark, as the flood waters recede, Noah had to yachal for weeks. The other Hebrew word is kava, which also means to wait. It's related to the Hebrew word kav, which means cord. When you pull a kav tight, you produce a state of tension until there's release. That's kava. The feeling of tension and expectation while you wait for something to happen. The prophet Isaiah depicts God as a farmer who plants vines and kavahs for good grapes. Or the prophet Micah talks about farmers who both kavah and yachal for morning dew to give moisture to the land. So in biblical Hebrew, hope is about waiting or expectation. But waiting for what? In the period of Israel's prophets, as the nation was sinking into self-destruction, Isaiah said, at this moment, the Lord's hiding his face from Israel, so I will kavah for him. The only hope Isaiah had in those dark days was the hope for God himself. You find this same notion of hope all over the book of Psalms, where these words appear over 40 times. In almost every case, what people are waiting for is God. Like in Psalm 130, the poet cries out from a pit of despair, I kavah for the Lord, let Israel yachal for the Lord, because he's loyal and will redeem Israel from its sins. Biblical hope is based on a person, which makes it different from optimism. Optimism is about choosing to see, in any situation, how circumstances could work out for the best. But biblical hope is not focused on circumstances. In fact, hopeful people in the Bible often recognize there's no evidence things will get better but you choose hope anyway. Like the prophet Hosea, he lived in a dark time when Israel was being oppressed by foreign empires, and he chose hope when he said God could turn this valley of trouble into a door of hope, like the day when Israel came up from the land of Egypt. God had surprised his people with redemption back in the days of the Exodus, and he could do so again. So it's God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. You look forward by looking backward, trusting in nothing other than God's character. It's like the poet of Psalm 39 who says, And now, O Lord, what else can I kavah for? You are my yachal. In the New Testament, the earliest followers of Jesus cultivated the similar habit of hope. They believed that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was God's surprising response to our slavery to evil and death. The empty tomb opened up a new door of hope, and they used the Greek word elpis to describe this anticipation. The Apostle Peter said that Jesus' resurrection opened up a living hope, that people can be reborn, to become new and different kinds of humans. So Christian hope is bold, waiting for humanity and the whole universe to be rescued from evil and death. And some would say it's crazy, and maybe it is. But biblical hope isn't optimism based on the odds. It's a choice to wait for God to bring about a future that's as surprising as a crucified man rising from the dead. Christian hope looks back to the risen Jesus in order to look forward. And so we wait. That's what the biblical words for hope are all about.
0: Okay. In your tables, real quick, one-minute reactions to the video. What did you learn? What was new? What did you already know? Talk about it for a minute in your tables, and then we'll get your reactions for everybody. All right. A minute goes quite fast sometimes. Some reactions. Larry is ready with the microphone. What did you learn? What was new? Sue?
6: learned that I should probably study.
0: <laughs> yes, right? Studying Hebrew. <laughs> yeah, that that's helpful. Or we can just watch the Bible video, Bible project videos for a while. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you learn a lot more, right? There's what we think of hope, then there may be a couple different words for. Uh, and we don't always get that nuance in, in English. How many of you learned something new in that video? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, just kind of a, just kind of a temperature, you know, in the room. If if you all knew that, then I would stop bringing Hebrew videos <laughs> into Bible study. Um, all right. So let's jump right in. Uh, we're talking about rising light today. And so we've got Genesis 1, 1 through 5, and John 1, 1 through 5. If you are not reading that, that's this table over here. I invite you to turn to your Bibles uh, in... For these passages, and what I would like for you to notice, and you may have already noticed this before, so forgive me if it's redundant. It's just really important uh, that there is something like an echo or a recall in the Bible, and by that I mean uh, we see in the New Testament uh, that same premise of looking back by using the same words. We've talked about this before in different studies where. Um, where we have uh, you know, a New Testament writer, and they're using words that would be recognizable to the people to whom they are speaking as bringing up a memory of something they already knew, right? Uh, so we have seen this before. We see this with Jesus. We see this all the time in the Pauline epistles. Uh, he uses it all the time. And because we don't know Hebrew, right, or we don't read the Bible in its original languages, we don't always get that there is this echo and recall. Uh, and because it is a story that we have mainly learned by reading, uh, we don't hear it the same way that people who have heard this story about God and his salvation um did at that time because they, it was an oral history. And so you would tell the stories. And then when you would tell the stories again, later, you'd be like, oh yeah, I remember hearing that. Right. I remember this story. So most uh, recently in our, in our profiles of strength in scripture, we've been talking a lot about Exodus theology and where the writers would use the same words that were used for the Exodus to remind the people that God has rescued them before. And will do so. We'll do so again. So we see that here, uh, an echo and recall in Genesis 1, 1 through 5, and John 1, 1 through 5. Whoever at that table is reading,
3: Larry's got your microphone. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the earth. The Spirit of God was covering the earth. Water. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, darkness called night, and there was evening and there was morning the first. Great. Tony, do you have John? Yep. Yeah. Word. And the Word was with the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All
4: things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of the man. The light shines in the
0: darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. Great. So where is our echo and recall? Where is our echo and recall? How do they both start out? In the beginning, right? So we're hearing John. We're, we're hearing John. We're reading John use the same words as Moses did in Genesis, Right. So in the beginning, so that immediately brings us back to the beginning, right? And so what does that tell us? It tells us that Jesus was there. He's the one in John, right? He's also there at the beginning. What is, what's another parallel that we have? Light and dark, right? Darkness and light. So in the beginning of the world, it's just dark. Just dark. There's no light at all. (laughs) I don't know if we can imagine that even, even when we have like the darkest of rooms, right? There's still usually some sort of residual light or, or maybe there's a residual sound. There's a hum of electricity, right? So there's, there's some indication that there's something outside of that darkness beginning. We don't have any indication that there was anything outside of that darkness. And then God inserts light into that. Uh, and then in John, we have He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. So everything was made, right? So we're seeing that the word that was back in Genesis, the word that that was God, is also the word that was Jesus. And so as we talk about this rising light, we see how God interjected light into the darkness in Genesis, and who steps down and injects light into this world? Jesus, right? Right. So we see this echo and recall. All right, let's go to some more light and darkness. This is where you will probably remember some of these readings if you were in worship on Sunday. We have Isaiah 61 through 6, and then Luke 6, or 6, sorry, 168 through 79. We're going to pay attention to the light and darkness in Isaiah, and then this concept of sunrise or dawning in Luke.
4: Arise. Shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephraim all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold, And frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord.
0: Great. Before we go on to the next reading, let's kind of talk about these questions. According to Isaiah, where is the darkness and who is going to see the light? Where is the darkness and who is going to see the light? The earth. So we're back to everywhere again, right? Back to everyone, everywhere. And who is going
3: to see this light? Everyone,
0: right? The nations will come to see your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So this is not going to be, this is not a light that is um, mistaken, right? If it's dark and there's one light, (laughs) uh, then that is the focal point, right? So we have our light here. All right, next one, Luke. Please.
7: Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Because he has come and has he has raised up a horn of salvation for us, and as he said through his holy prophets, salvation from our enemies, from the hand of all who show mercy to our fathers, to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father, to rescue us from our enemies, and to enable us to serve him without. Him. Holiness and righteousness before Him all our days, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way to give His people the knowledge of salvation, the forgiveness, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun
3: will come to shine on those living in darkness, the
0: shadow of death, to guide our feet. Great. All right, so let's talk about this passage. If you were here on Sunday, you remember he and Paul had talked about a couple of these verses. Um, this is Zechariah, right? Uh, this is John the Baptist, not his last name, but that's what we call him, John the Baptist's um, father and Jesus' uncle. And so we have him prophesying about what's going to start to take place. What do you think that Zechariah is saying that is similar to Isaiah? What is Zechariah saying that is similar to Isaiah? How would we maybe see the echo and recall
3: here in Luke through Zechariah? To hey, Larry, can can uh, like the thank you. Um, What's similar here? What
0: might be our echo and recall? Yeah. It is a big deal. Yeah. If you think about 400 years, you know, I think sometimes when we talk about it in biblical terms, we're like, 400 years, but like, I don't know, our nation, you know, has only been here a couple hundred years and we're, (laughs) we're not even, we're not really even at the 400 year mark, right? I mean, we are here, right? Because of Jamestown. So we have that claim to fame, (laughs) Uh, but but 400 years, if you think about 400 years ago, like life was, gosh, just a lot different, you know? And think about the things that people didn't know 400 years ago. Think about, think about the fact that we're, well, I, I mean, just that we're sitting here with plastic tables and stuff on screens. It's stuff that people would never have even been able to imagine. And it's no different for the people who were living for 400 years in that darkness. They were waiting for something to happen. And we see that that Luke, right, is recording this great announcement that Zechariah is, is making, you know, as a, as a prophecy. All right. Anything else about our light and darkness and our sunrise between Isaiah and, and Luke?
3: Claire? It's not exactly, I mean, it's, the words are not sunrise
4: or light. But the idea of the nations in mm-hmm. Isaiah, I shine very the a nation, and in Luke names enemies. Well, for Isaiah's time, nations were enemies. So, right. So there's an a dawning pressure
3: that can yeah be in both. Yeah. Thank you. Great insight. Anyone else?
0: Our next one is our armor of lights. We're gonna be looking at these passages. First Thessalonians five, one through eleven, Isaiah fifty-nine, seventeen. Those are the two that we're gonna be looking at first. So who has our who did I assign that to? This table? Okay. First Thessalonians and Isaiah fifty-nine seventeen
3: over here, please.
6: Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers. You have no need to have anything written, for you yourselves are fully aware of the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day to for the day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing.
0: Great. We're going to pause there. We'll get to Isaiah in just one second. But Isaiah correlates the last half of that passage. So we're just going to run through the very... Top part of it, okay, so first thessalonians five so in in true pauline fashion, right he says you don't we don't need to write to you, <laughs> but we're going to right <laughs> like we I don't need to tell you this, but I'm going to anyway, because he is encouraging them, he is reassuring the church that this isn't a threat for them, that the day of the Lord is not a threat for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so he's reminding them of this. Um, so he, he says, I don't need to, but I'm going to just because that's what I do, right? Um, it's going to come like a thief in the night. He's not talking about it in a dangerous way. He's just saying it's going to be like totally unexpected. So speaking to you believers, be ready for the unexpected, right? Um, and he goes on with some, with some metaphors for that. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness. He's saying, don't worry about it. You're not the ones in the dark. Um, this isn't a threat. Live in this certainty. Uh, he goes, look at verse 5. He, start, he keeps going with, you are all children of the light and children of the day. And then what pronoun does he switch to uh, there? Where does he switch to in your Bibles? We, right? So, and this is what Paul does. He's talking, talking, talking to the church. And then he's like, oh, and this is us too. Right. So he's talking about himself and Silas and Timothy He's saying, we're in this with you. You're not alone in this. Um, We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So don't worry about it. Right. We don't need to worry about the end times. We just have to be waiting and hopeful and expectant and ready for the end times because because Jesus is going to come again. Jesus is going to come again. Um, don't be like others who are asleep. So he goes through this metaphor, these metaphors of being asleep, being awake, being sober, being drunk. It's not about being drunk. It's just to counteract that soberness, right? So that alertness that he wants his people to be, to be ready for. And therefore us to be ready for since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate. He totally switches his metaphors here, right? He's talking about soberness and drunkenness and night and day. And then he goes to this military idea, this, this idea of being putting on a breastplate and, uh, you know, helmet, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where we're going to jump to Isaiah 59 so that we can see that echo and recall. Whoever has that here, please.
7: He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He puts on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal. And
0: Thank you, Carol. All right. So Isaiah is talking about the Lord God, right? And he's talking about the Lord God, about what God is going to do, because God is, is unhappy that no one is standing up for, for justice, right, and truth. And so what Paul does, he kind of switches it a little bit. Um, there's a shift here. Uh, whereas God's is more of an, um it's both defensive and offensive. We are putting on these things that are more on the defensive, right? So instead of, um, instead of do, 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 righteousness as his breastplate, we are putting on the breastplate of faith and love. So we don't confuse this as righteousness as something that is uh, tied to our salvation. Uh, This is not a righteousness that is tied to salvation for us. It's the faith and love that we're going to be putting on so that we can be, we can be participants in this in this world and reflecting that faith and love to others. And then we have the hope of salvation as a helmet, the hope of salvation. uh, Again, I think if you go back to the video, this hope is not an optimism, right? This is not in a sense of optimism for the world. When Paul talks about hope, He talks about something of assurance, something that is certain. So this hope is not of a a salvation or for salvation. It's certainly based on the fact that God's saving work has happened in Christ Jesus. So then we look back again, right? Jesus has come. Jesus has died. He has risen again. Paul's saying, look back. That is your hope of salvation. You're not hoping for salvation. It is of salvation. So you are already wearing that. Don't worry about it. Uh, God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. God's not, this is not what he has for us. Um, He's saying in the, his main point is how to live in the present, waiting for Jesus to come again um, and, and just, and not participating in all the stuff that's going around you. uh, But, but, but being prepared with that light, right? Being prepared with that salvation and knowing that, and then, Paul does a lot of buts and therefores, and anytime you see a therefore, it's explaining everything he just said, right? So, all of that, da 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 da, therefore, hey, keep doing what you're doing. Do you ever feel like sometimes you're doing things in vain? <laughs> or, or you're wondering, does this make a difference to the kingdom? Or does this make a difference in my family? Uh, do my prayers go unanswered? Or am I even heard? Um, Paul would say, keep at it, right? Keep encouraging each other. You're doing the right thing. Just keep doing it. Uh, sometimes it's easier to see the negativity or to see the um, darkness around us and maybe get a sense of, we, it doesn't even matter what I do. Paul's saying it's different. No, keep, keep working at that, right? Keep doing that. All right. Any thoughts about that before we shift to our last couple passages? And remember, even though he's writing to the church in Thessalonica, he's also writing to us. <laughs> right? So keep encouraging one another. Ken.
3: See, in the other uh, sites they drift away, always drift away. We have an armor. Uh, you might say, nothing has happened to heavy I'll take it off. Mm-hmm. And he's running us, I say, also, the keep the armor on. Yeah.
6: But the armor is not something that we made. The soldiers didn't make armor. Somebody right. else did. Mm-hmm. God has given us that armor. We need to keep it on so that we don't drift away.
0: Yeah. And it's not our armor, right? We didn't make it, and we're wearing it as representatives of... Of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yeah. So don't take it off. Don't get um Yeah, complacent. That would be the drunkenness part, right? Keep sober, keep your keep your armor on and keep keep waiting. Okay. We're gonna look at Ephesians six, ten through eighteen. More armor talk. Isaiah fifty two, seven and Romans ten, fifteen. Isaiah? No, Ephesians. Okay.
3: This is why I have my path. Uh, Ephesians uh, 6.
2: Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the sins of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can... Extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all, all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints.
0: Thank you. So we have more armor talk right? <laughs> we have more armor talk. It's just added to here, right? So now we have something on the offensive. What do we have? What do we have that's offensive here? The sword, right? But it's not a
3: sword that is even our own sword, right? What is it? The sword of what? Say it a hour spirit, right?
0: That is not our spirit. That is a spirit of God, right? So that's not even our sword that we're carrying. So the spirit of God is doing the work there. We just now have, we now have an extra, you know, item in our, uh, in our armor. These last two verses are what I want to focus on because it relates to um, verse 15. So if we could have Isaiah fifty-two seven and then Romans ten fifteen right after that, so I think this is kind of our charge
3: as Christians as well. How beautiful on the mountains are the those who proclaim, bring good tidings, proclaim salvation. Say to Zion, your God reigns. Great. And then Romans. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news.
0: Great. So here's our echo and recall, right? Um, in Ephesians, we have uh, our feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We are not on the offensive to hurt or to maim or to beat people over the head with the Bible. We are on a mission of peace. We are on the mission of the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that's in Christ Jesus. So we see that our echo and recall comes from Isaiah 52. Paul is doing this on purpose, right? Everything that Paul does, he's doing this on purpose. He's saying, remember that this is what happens. This is what the beautiful are in the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. That's the evangelion. That's the gospel. So those are, that's what's beautiful is when we bring the gospel to others. We see that in Romans. People aren't going to hear. People aren't going to know the gospel unless there are people who, fitted with the gospel of peace, go and share that. So we see that Paul is consistent here, that this is, these are peaceful messages, right? This is the gospel of peace. It's not the peace that we offer. It's kind of like that hope. It's not this optimism of, of peace. It's a peace that is more than us, that is beyond us. Okay, so let's wrap this all up here. Three points for us today. We are a people of hope. We are a people of hope. This is not the hope that the world brings. This is not the hope that we just, it's not a wishful thinking. It is a hope that is certain because it is a hope that has been given to us in Christ Jesus. Continuing on our theme of rising light, we are called to join Jesus in pushing back this darkness. This is what this is what we're talking about in Ephesians. This is what we're talking about in First Thessalonians. This is this is that um, joining Jesus. Uh, I did not coin this phrase. It's a book, Joining Jesus on His Mission. Right? It's two books actually by Greg Finke. He has something right here. We are called to be on the mission that Jesus was on, which is to push back that darkness. Is to um, how many of you have ever seen a sunrise over darkness? Like it was dark and you're watching the sunrise come up. Has anyone ever seen this? Okay, good. So I'll just briefly, right? It's the sunrise comes and you see the light start to illuminate everything. I don't know if you've ever been able to see it where you're still in that darkness, but it's starting to come. And all of a sudden you get to see all the stuff that was before you and around you. And then all of a sudden you are in that light. So that is this rising light that we are also able to be caught up in. And Jesus has a job for us because we're the church on this earth. This is plan A, not plan B. There is no plan B. The church is it, (laughs) right? The Holy Spirit came. It's not going to be a different plan here. Um, And so we're called to join Jesus in pushing back that darkness. And we have the armor of God, so we're equipped. So we don't need to worry. We don't need to despair. We are not the ones that have to worry about um, the darkness coming and and all that we are not to worry about the second advent of our Lord. We are secure and firm in in the Lord, and so we can look forward to having that armor and to joining Jesus in that Here ends a study <laughs> we 're going to move into prayers <laughs> um, so as we move to prayers, I invite you to stand as you are able, I'm going to read some of the petitions from Sunday, not all of them, uh, but continuing in our theme of. Not knowing when Jesus is coming, when I say, hear us, O God, please reply with, your mercy is great. Not knowing the day or hour of your coming, O Lord, the church cries to you, strengthen the church in the land of Jesus' birth. Wherever Christians gather, empower them to proclaim love and defy the powers of sin and evil. Hear us, O God, your mercy is great. Not knowing the day or hour of your coming, O Lord, the nations cry to you. Bring justice to the marginalized, courage to the peacemakers, wisdom to leaders, and hope to generations who have only known conflict, oppression, or poverty. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Not knowing the day or hour of your coming, O Lord, your people cry to you. Comfort those separated from loved ones by distance, estrangement, or loss. Help us as we care for others and rely on others' care. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Lord, you hear the cries of our hearts, fill us with hopeful expectation that in each day and hour we may love and serve our neighbors in Jesus name. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is a kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he fit you with readiness to go share that gospel with others. And may he always look at you with favor and a smile upon his face. Amen. We sing the advent of our King.
1: The Advent of our King Our prayers must now employ And we must hymns of welcome sing In strains of holy joy Before the self be put away the new self put open on a glory to the son who comes to set us free with father spirit ever one through all eternity go in peace that
0: all may know the love of jesus thanks be to god Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and His people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.